This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. This is the place to hear fantastical fiction and hear from authors of fantastical news stories. This episode is another chapter in the fantasy novel Plantwise, book one in the Steward's World series. If you're ready for the magic of story, let's begin. Chapter 16 Who? Arden repeated. Steward! She wanted to protest that no, that young man couldn't be steward. Then she wondered how she could doubt. She hadn't doubted when he visited just a few years ago and told her how to create her tree. Maybe she had been fooled back then? Yet that would mean Glina had been fooled, too. And how could someone who dwelt in the spirit realm after being gifted be fooled by an impostor? Yet Arden doubted, because truthfully, no one had seen Stuart in decades. Most people believed he had faded away, if they believed he had ever existed. He wasn't truly needed, because all the land on this continent had been tamed and settled, the magic harnessed, tied up in giftings and put to good use. Steward was responsible for taming wild magic, teaching new wielders in the craft, standing in judgment over those who would misuse their magical talents. Many tales of Steward describe the battles he fought to hold back evil magicians and wizards. He had worked in Yeshin's power to raise the barrier of the Cascade Mountains to keep Dermot from spilling his poisoned magic across the continent. Other tales said the duties and power of the steward passed from father to son, mother to daughter, from generation to generation, so no one knew exactly what steward looked like when he or she appeared. And other tales said steward was dead, worn out and wounded in the last battle with Dermed. He had crawled away to die somewhere, without an heir to receive the gifting and continue the duty. But if Glynna said that was steward, Sitting in the garden under her sickly, dying apple tree, was it possible a cure had come at long last, in answer to her desperate, aching prayers? Arden darted to the bed where Violet lay, sleeping fitfully, wrapped a blanket around her daughter, tucked a corner of her skirt into her belt to pull it up out of the way, and ran down hallways and stairs to the garden. She isn't sick, the young man said, when Arden got close enough to see the amazing green of his eyes like fresh grass after the rain. Stop using the water from the palace well. Violet is the only child, and because she is so small, she has succumbed to the poison first. But eventually, everyone who drinks from the well, or eats food made with water from the well, and even washes with that water, will sicken. Poison? Arden turned to Glenna. How? Something is in the well, isn't it? Glenna said. When Steward nodded, her expression grew grim, and she darted away, heading toward the courtyard that held the main palace well. He got up and turned to rest one hand against the trunk of the apple tree. The two apple trees are linked. What touches the heart of one touches the heart of the other. Then Maddox is killing my tree, too, Arden said. He started it, but your bitterness is adding to the poison. My... Arden couldn't breathe for several moments. She clutched Violet closer. You need to learn to forgive, he said. Arden choked on the words she knew better than to speak, demanding to know why she should forgive when Maddox would never repent, never admit he was in the wrong, never confess his crimes. 
The list was too long. If he had done all the things she silently accused him of, just to her, what crimes had he committed against others, against his kingdom? What evil was he doing to counteract the blessing she had woven into her apple tree? You need to make him act, to go too far, to reveal what he has done, Steward said. How? Now she could breathe a little easier. Yes, she thought she could do anything necessary to save Violet, and as an added reward, expose Maddox's true nature and his cruelty and lies to the world. Ask him for what you need to heal your child. I can't! She nearly laughed at how the words burst out of her, when she had just vowed in her heart she would do whatever was necessary. He will demand I marry him. No, he won't. He doesn't dare. Brenton Wald is maneuvering him into a corner to force him to marry Fiera. She is still unfinished, untested, but coming up against Maddox will refine her. She will be good for him, slap him awake, make him see the evil influences in his life. Dermad is trying to move past the barrier of the Cascade Mountains, established by Yeshin. He needs kingdoms that will welcome him and open doors not of the physical world. To stop him moving through the mountains, Stone Mount needs to be strong again. Westerland needs to be stronger. How? Steward patted the tree trunk. You have already done a great thing with your tree, with both trees. The sad thing is that if Maddox had simply asked, you would have given him your first tree, wouldn't you? Arden choked, caught between a sob and laughter. Yes, I was that much a fool. To love is never foolish, Steward said. But Yeshin was protecting you, even though your heart was broken. If you had given Maddox that tree, even when you were still blinded by his lies, it would have put its roots down in Stone Mount in blessing and purity, because your heart protected it. That might have been enough to counteract the slow, steady drip of poison into the kingdom over the years. Your anger, the pain of your broken heart. He sighed and offered her a sad smile. It accelerated the poisoning. You need to heal both trees, Arden, Princess of Westerland, heart and healer. How? Her voice cracked. What about Violet? Using water from outside the palace will halt the decline. But not heal her? She gestured with her chin at the tree. Apples could heal her. The tree should be bearing year-round, not just in the summer, but... She caught her breath, a sudden pain wrapping around her ribs. Please tell me I didn't do that to her, to the tree. Many things. Steward looked past her, and Arden turned to see Glynna skimming back to them through the garden. Her usual bright spring-green glow had dimmed, her face wrinkled in worry. You need to rescue Ambrose, Steward continued. Maddox is holding him prisoner to control his gifting, hoarding that gifting, denying Ambrose the freedom to fulfill his duty to Yeshin, sickens Ambrose and sickens the land. How can I go into Stone Mountain free him? I don't even know what he looks like. I do, Glenna said. You don't need to go to Ambrose. Send to Maddox. Make it clear you know Ambrose is one of Stone Mount's treasures and you would never ask him to travel so far or to leave the safety of the kingdom. Ask to meet at the border. Beg for the sake of the friendship and alliance between your countries. Hint that you would be open to a marriage alliance between his son and heir and a violet. Send my daughter to Stone Mount? 
Her arms tightened around Violet so strongly the child whimpered. You will never need to do that. The hope, the offer, is only bait. Steward sighed. If all goes well. The first step is to free Ambrose. He will finish the healing of your child. Releasing the bitterness you hold against Maddox will start the healing of your tree and Stonemount's tree. I don't know if... She sighed, aching, trembling deep inside. Auntie, what did you find? There is a gold box in the bottom of the well. A tiny hole releases something black into the water. Glenna shook her head. Steward, what do we do? Can you heal the well? Remove the box, and the well will heal on its own. Do not let anyone use the water until summer solstice. He stepped away from the tree and dug in a depression in the soil with the heel of his boot. Under here is more of that poison Maddox's men buried. Cover your face and hands. Do not breathe the air around it when you dig it up. Put it in a jar sealed with wax inside and out, and inside another jar sealed with wax, inside and out. Include all the soil around it for more than a yard in diameter. Cut away the roots of the tree within that area. This will help the tree, not hurt it. Like cutting away rotting flesh from a wound so it stops poisoning the rest of the body. Give the jar to Ambrose when you meet him. He is the nearest healer who has the strength to counteract the poison and then destroy it. Do the same with the box in the well. The men who go into the well to dredge up the box need to be strengthened with every antidote to poison your healers can find. They need to use hooks and nets and not touch the box itself and need to wash thoroughly after coming out of the well. When that poison is removed, the healing can begin, for well and for tree. But not soon enough for Violet, Arden said, her voice cracking. That's why we need Ambrose. Yeshin asks for obedience and a soft heart, Steward said. He doesn't require success, just effort. You need to take the first step. Trust, Arden. The fates of two kingdoms rest on you. Maddox stared when Jago finished reading him the letter from Arden. He thought at first the man had fabricated the entire thing, just to amuse him. There had been precious little amusement lately, with the wheels of state grinding inexorably towards submitting to the marriage alliance with Princess Fiera of Brentonwald. Still, after a moment of thought, Maddox couldn't imagine Jago going to that much trouble just to lift his spirits. The man had never flattered him unless he wanted something. Lately, the only expression he had seen in his counselor's eyes was disappointment and even disdain. Jago had given up his muttering about how Maddox needed to learn patience and how he had ruined their carefully crafted plans. Somehow, that silence was more irritating than the muttering. The letter from Westerland, in Arden's own handwriting, had to be real. He started to laugh. It made his ribs ache, despite the weakness of his laughter, because it had been so long since he laughed at anything. Maddox and Jago were alone in his study, but right that moment he wished Clancy and Bathan were there so he could share the delicious joke with them. They understood him as Jago never had. Arden and Westerlin want my help? Oh, this is too funny. Now is your chance to counteract the influence of the tree. After all, she poisoned Stonemount through the tree. She should remedy the problem, Jago said, leaning forward across Maddox's desk. Get Arden and her child to cross the border. 
Make her come within the walls of the palace, and then don't let her leave. Convince her she needs to heal your tree before her child can be healed. It will be a simple matter to kill off her escort and then blame marauders on the border. You can feed King Alex lies for several months about how you're tracking down the ones who captured his sister, and all the while you can work your influence on her, charm her, threaten her, bring in those pet wizards you think I don't know about to influence her mind. In the end, you convince her and her brother that you rescued her, and she is grateful, in love with you even more than when she was a child, and marry her. Everyone already thinks you have a silly romantic core after how you carried off that elopement with Bianca. For half a second, Maddox seriously considered the suggestion. Then he pushed it aside. Agreeing would give Alex and Arden a few days of hope, and he would never allow that, not even to see the look of horror and anguish on Arden's face when he closed the trap around her. Besides, Following that plan would encourage Jago and make him think he was still clever and useful. The only reason Maddox kept him around was to keep him the face and voice that people remembered when they were angered with pronouncements and bad news. I will consider your plan. No need to respond right away, he said, and offered the old sly smile he had worn as a boy when he and Jago first started scheming to rule the world. Let them stew and fret for a few days. Jago laughed. Maddox laughed inside as he thought about how frustrated the old man would be when he had to carry out Maddox's true plan. By the time the ground was dry enough for walking in the Westerland Palace gardens, Alex could get around on crutches. That was, he reflected sadly, the only bit of good news in a long, long time. Involuntarily, he glanced over his shoulder at the window of Arden's bedroom, half expecting to see his sister there, watching her pitiful little tree. He remembered how he had stood here with the tree just a year ago, waiting for little Violet to be born. He remembered how the tree had burst out with new flowers and leaves and fruit when the little girl uttered her first cry. Now the tree had leaves, but they were tiny and dull. There were no flowers and no hope of apples in the summer. Alex shivered, hating the feeling of hopelessness. Arden depended on this tree, yet it reflected her aching, bitter spirit and gave her nothing. That ate at her pitiful shreds of hope and only made the tree worse than before. The news that Maddox's tree in Stonemount was even worse off than this one did nothing to encourage Alex. If anything, it made him worry more. Arden was tied to both trees. What happened to her if one died? What if Maddox chopped down his tree? hoping to strike at Arden. Something had to be done. Soon. Alex felt foolish for trying, but he had always sensed the tree was alert and aware, and he had to try something. Besides, there was no one in the gardens at this time of the afternoon but him. He reached out a hand and rested it against the trunk, which felt cold as stone under his palm. It had always before felt warm, like there was living flesh under the smooth bark. Well, and what are we going to do, hmm? Arden needs you, and she needs me. The way we are now, what good are we to her? Majesty, Caitlin blurted, dashing into the gardens. The envoy from Stonemount is here. Her face held the first bit of color he had seen in weeks, and Alex liked that. She was a pretty girl when she smiled. Finally, 
He forced a smile, if only to encourage her. Let's hope he has good news. He thanked her with a nod as she offered her shoulder for him to lean on, and they hobbled into the palace to meet the envoy. We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. What if Sleeping Beauty wanted to sleep? What if the sleep was amnesia? Or just a long, bad dream? What if her beauty sleep lasted too long? What if she sacrificed herself to sleep to protect her family? Those are just some of the questions explored in the new fairy tales anthology, Perchance to Dream. Seventeen authors present new twists on the story of Sleeping Beauty. Perchance to Dream. Fairy Tale Anthology Number 3. New from Ye Old Dragon Books. Make sure to listen to the next episode of Ye Old Dragon's Library. This will be a storyteller's episode, a two-parter, talking with Deborah Cullen Smith, author of the award-winning Mina, Warrior in the Shadows. Deb also happens to be one of the two old dragons writing weird stories, the guilty parties behind Ye Old Dragon Books. We had a lot of fun talking about her process, how she weaves historical events into her fantastical fiction, and listeners will learn a little bit about her trilogy, Last of the Long-Haired Hippies. It's going to be a fun two episodes, so make sure to come back and listen. And now, back to the story. The envoy from Stonemount was Ambassador Jago. Alex wondered why the man had bestirred himself to come to Westerland when he had always expressed such distaste for their country. He remembered being awed by the dark-robed man as a boy, even then sensing the cold and disdain and feeling sorry for Maddox for having to work with him. Now, Alex knew the two deserved each other. Why would Jago come to Westerland, except to bring important news? Alex let himself hope, despite his dislike for the man. Soon, Violet would be well, then Arden would smile again and life would flow through the apple tree, and from there, through all Westerland, they would prosper again. He had to believe it. Arden and Coleman stood on either side of the wide, deep chair that their father had always used for meetings of state. Alex was grateful for Caitlin's help, as the girl helped him hobble to his seat. She smiled at him, blushing a little when he winked, and took his crutches away, out of his sight, and yet near enough to be retrieved without trouble. Alex appreciated that. He appreciated so many things about her, now that he thought about it. Welcome, Lord Jago. Alex dragged his thoughts back to the present moment. Did you bring an answer to my sister's request? Jago glanced at the four in the room, then glanced over his shoulder, raising an eyebrow at the lack of counselors and nobles. One eyebrow cocked up in disdain. Then he shrugged. Alex heard echoes of condemnation from the man from years ago, when he wore the same expression, meaning, What can you expect from such a poor backward kingdom? Alex restrained his anger. Any price, even Jago's disdain, was small compared to restoring Violet's health and Arden's happiness. King Maddox, Jago began, in that cool, disdainful drawl of his, says that you strain his generosity when you demand that the healer Ambrose, an elderly man, face danger and the rigors of the journey to the border, 
simply because a child has a passing illness. A passing illness? Coleman blurted in his cracked voice. Princess Violet is dying, you pompous ass. So now the world sees Maddox's true character, Arden said, with a calmness that made Alex shiver, despite the burning anger stirred by Jago's words. Because he will not share his uncle's gift of healing, he lies and says we make demands. Lies? For once, Jago's disdain broke, and a flush touched his cheeks. You have gone too far. No, you and Stonemount have gone too far. Bitter laughter touched Arden's voice. Maddox does whatever he wishes and lies to cover his crimes. We all suffer for it. He hoards treasures that belong to the entire world, and now they turn bitter and poison his kingdom. How are the spring crops, Lord Jago? Even this far away, I can tell Stonemount will go hungry this winter. It is Maddox's fault. The delusions of a woman scorned, the aging ambassador sneered. Scorned? Now Alex understood what put that tone in Arden's voice. He pushed himself to his feet, though leaning heavily against the table. As I recall, King Doyne wanted the marriage alliance, not my father. We have dozens of letters from Maddox, sent secretly to my sister over the years, urging her to run away with him, increasingly upset with her when she refused time and again, wanting to wait until our parents gave their approval. How can you say my sister was scorned when Maddox pursued her and she never pursued him? Letters can be forged. Someone played a nasty joke on all of you, pretending to be King Maddox, Jago said after a telling pause. His sniff of disdain wasn't anywhere near convincing. My sister laughed and danced until dawn, the day we learned of Bianca and Maddox's elopement. Tell me, Lord Jago, he hurried on, cutting the man off when he opened his mouth to retort, when will Maddox marry Princess Fiera? Who says such a marriage is even being considered? Steward has told us much of what diplomats and power brokers wish to keep hidden, Arden said. Steward? Such a man is a fable. Another of Jago's unconvincing sniffs of disdain. Bring him to me, and I will prove he is a liar, a dreamer. He paused, eyes widening slightly in very evident discomfort. What other lies has he been telling you about Stonemount's business? Arden smiled, settled into her chair, and folded her hands in her lap. Alex had never adored his little sister as much as he did in that moment. Even if she had lied, she had slapped Jago hard and given him something uncomfortable to think about. Steward told me Brentonwald is unwilling to send their princess to a kingdom with an ailing magic apple tree. How strange that the wizards who gifted Maddox with that tree are unable to cure it. He must produce three apples with blessing magic in them the day she enters the palace. Disappointing Brentonwald is unwise. Maddox makes promises he cannot keep because he is afraid for the first time in his life. He will have no apples because the tree refuses to bloom. You should ignore your sister and the silly stories she imagines someone has told her, King Alex. Jago's voice cracked. Alex scowled to keep from laughing aloud. The man's frosty reaction proved the truth of his sister's words. Arden had told him nothing of this, and he shuddered in wonder at the thought that Steward had spoken to her. She had merely told him that an old friend of Glynis had come with a message, revealing the existence of the box in the well 
and the poison buried among the roots of the apple tree, and how to remove them and begin the healing. She hadn't mentioned anything about speaking with Steward. Yet if Yeshin's voice and the hand that carried the Maker's magic throughout the land had come here to Westerland, why hadn't he healed Violet? Why hadn't he healed Arden's tree? Alex needed to have a long talk with his sister about what she knew and kept secret from him. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragons Library. <laughs>